The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. right now called The Rest of the Story, and the series is about uh, connecting with the Holy Spirit and, and understanding the Holy Spirit's role in our life. If you were here last week, we, we started off talking about how the Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit to be our helper, and he was going to be someone, when, we, when you study the word, his helper means he was going to be someone who would come to walk alongside us and help us in life. And so through the Holy Spirit, we have access to God in us who is in the very same nature of Jesus, who can be with us and help us in every aspect of our life, bring wisdom to us, bring, bring revelation of the word to us, guide us, lead us. It's amazing what we have. And so we said last week, if you don't have a real relationship with the Holy Spirit, then you're really missing out. And on that note, if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that. You can listen at newsongpeople.com slash media or to our podcast. Uh, today, I want to talk to you more about the Holy Spirit, and specifically today, I want to talk to you about what the Holy Spirit is, or, or who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, have a better understanding of his, his, who He is so that we can understand what He can do. Okay, So uh, I've got three points for you this morning that go along with this idea of, of what or who is the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll spend a lot more time in the third point, but let's go ahead and jump right into this. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Point number one is this, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is, is God. Uh, the Bible is, is pretty clear that, that God is, is, is a trinity. He is a triune being. That God is three persons who function as one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is a part of the trinity, which means he is, he's God. Now, there, there are three distinct persons, but they function as one. I'm not saying there's three gods. There's one God that functions in three distinct persons. Uh, in fact, the word trinity actually means this. It, it comes from two words, tri-unity. Tri meaning three, and unity being one. So the trinity is, is God and three persons functioning as one. And so you need to see this, that the Holy Spirit is a part of the trinity, and that makes him God. And that's important for you to understand, because we need to see him the right way if we're going to have the kind of relationship with him that God has called us to have with him. Now, for a lot of people, it's easy for us to have this idea of the Father, God, being God. I mean, it's his name. He's God, right? So it's not hard to think of him as God. We, we don't normally have a real struggle with thinking of Jesus as being God. But for some reason, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it can get a little a little. A little weird, and we, we have a hard time with that sometimes. And I, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one of which I was just thinking about this week is sometimes in the Bible it refers to the Holy Spirit as being the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and you know, let's just be real. In the world that we live in today, ghosts are not something that we're always excited about. We really want to have encounters with. In fact, most of the time when we hear about a ghost, it's like something we want to avoid with, every, with everything in us. But beyond that, too, let's just take it back to the Holy Spirit. Well, he's called the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of relationships with people that are called the anything. Like my wife Sarah is here this morning. We've been married 14 years. It'll be this month. It'll be 14 years of marriage. I don't call her the Sarah. I don't do that. She's Sarah. I don't call her the wife. She's my wife, Sarah. That's how I refer to her. I don't call God the God. He's God. I don't call Jesus the Jesus. They're, they're God and they're Jesus. Now, there are times that I will refer to them with a the in their name. 
Like we'll say stuff like this. We'll say God the Father, right? And what I'm speaking to when I say that is his function within the Trinity, who he is in the Trinity. He is God the Father. That's who he is in the Trinity. Or I'll say God the Son or Jesus the Son. That's his function in the Trinity. That's who he is. So, so here's what I want you to see. When I talk about the Holy Spirit, what we're speaking to when we say that is we're speaking to his function in the Trinity, who he is and what he does within the Trinity. He is the Holy Spirit who comes to, to live in us and empower us and lead us and guide us and direct us in truth. That's what he does. But listen, this is his name. His name is God. He's God. His function is the Holy Spirit, but his name is God. And the Bible is really clear about him being God. In fact, look at this with me, Acts chapter 5. We have this story. Uh, you probably heard this story before about Ananias and Sapphira. And this was at the very beginning of the church uh, happening in the, you know, in the new world. This is after Jesus has died on the cross and he's, he's been raised from the dead and he's gone up to, to sit at the right hand of the Father. And the church is being built, and the church is kind of happening in the world right now. And, and if you know the story in the Acts, that people are selling all their possessions, and it's this unified body of believers coming together. And so there's this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, and they sell this plot of land that they have, and then they come to the church, and this guy Peter, and they tell him, here's all the money from the land. Now the problem is that that's not true. That they actually kept a portion of the profits from the sale of the land back for themselves. Now that's, that's not bad. That's okay to do. The problem was not that they did that. The problem was that they lied. And they said, this is everything. Okay, so Peter addresses this in Acts 5, verse 3. He says this. Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Now notice at the beginning he said to lie to the Holy Spirit. You saw that, right? To lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land. And then he, he, he refers to that again. Why hast thou lied? He's referring to the lie again. Not, you have lied not unto God, but, look at this, un, but not, sorry, not unto men, but unto God. So what he says here is you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. Because, because, because listen, listen, listen. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a distinct person within the, the Trinity, within the Godhead, but he is God. And it's important that we see him this way because here's what happens. Sometimes in our life, we, we relate to the Holy Spirit in kind of this distant relationship where we're a little bit afraid of the Holy Spirit. We're a little nervous about inviting him into our life. And so we maybe say stuff like, I don't, you know, I don't know if I want anything to do with that Holy Spirit stuff. Jesus, I'm cool with Jesus. I like Jesus. I like what he does in my life. I like God. I'm good with that. I love God. But I don't know about the Holy Spirit. He seems like a little bit of a wild card. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of keep him at a distance. I'll keep him over there and he can do his little thing. But here's the problem with that. When you're doing that, what you're saying is there's a part of God that I'm not really interested in having anything to do with. There's a part of God that I don't know that I can fully trust. I don't know what that part of God is going to do. And so we're a little bit afraid of that, and, and we, we come up with this. And, and maybe you're here today, and you say, man, Josh, I, I, get, I hear what you're saying, but here's the thing, okay? I have seen some things on the internet. <laughs> There's a few times on my Facebook feed that I've seen a video of a dude taking a coat and smacking people around and been falling down. And I've seen some wild stuff, and, and, and supposedly under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so that makes me, you know, makes me a little nervous about this whole Holy Spirit stuff. I, 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 he seems great, but... I don't know if it's for me. Okay, well, listen, I, I want you to really see this. If your attitude towards the Holy Spirit is that of, 
I want nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit. Listen, your attitude is that towards God. And you're saying there's a part of God that I'm afraid of. There's a part of God that I want nothing to do with. And it's the part of God that Jesus said, I'm sending to help you. Maybe we got this all wrong. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, the Holy Spirit is part of the family of God. He's a part of the Trinity. And you need to understand this. Uh, He's not the weird, crazy uncle part of the family of God. Okay? In fact, my second point this morning is this. The Holy Spirit is not a weirdo. Write that down. (laughs) The Holy Spirit's not weird. He's not. You say, well, Josh, what about that stuff that I've seen? Well, let me explain it kind of like this, okay? Um, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Any Dallas Cowboys fans in here? Yeah. Ushers, please get them out of here. Uh, But I'm a Cowboys fan, and I've been since I was a little kid. Uh, The draft was this week. Anybody watch the NFL draft? The Cowboys drafted a guy named Taco. That rules. I love that. I can't wait to cheer for Taco this year. That's going to be great. I cheer for tacos anyways. Who doesn't? So uh, anyways, I'm a Cowboys fan. I love to cheer for my team. And one of the things I love to do is from time to time, I love to go to a game. And when I go to a Cowboys game, uh, I like to, to be a part of, you know, the game. And so I'll put on a shirt, Cowboys shirt. I'll put on a hat. And I'll go and I'll, I'll cheer for my team. Now, I'm not the crazy fan that goes nuts, but I, I go and I cheer for my team. But there are people who go to games, and their take on fandom is completely different than mine. Right? In fact, I got some pictures. Okay? Look at these with me. This is a Cowboys fan. Show, give me, go, kind of go through those guys. Here's another guy. It's a Cowboys fan. Okay, we got some more. This guy's a Cowboys fan. And this guy's a Cowboys fan. Any Oklahoma City Thunder fans in here this morning? Yeah. Okay, I got another picture. Here's an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. You guys can relate to this guy, right? Yeah. Uh, OU fans. Any OU fans in here this morning? Boomer, Sooner, KJ Johnson? Yes. Here's an OU fan. <laughs> I love the, this region. I don't know if I could say that for podcast sake, but any OSU fans? Here's an OSU fan. Now, let me ask you a question, okay? Here's a question for you. These wild fans that we see at these sporting events, do they represent all fans? Do they represent, if you're a Thunder fan, does that guy that you saw, does he represent who you are as a Thunder fan? No, he represents himself, right? What he's doing, he does on his own. Because you're a fan of a team, because you go to a game, does that make you act like those people act when they go to a game? Let me ask you again. No, no, it doesn't, right? Those people do those things because those people are weird. <laughs> and they like being crazy. It's just, it's just what happens. This, it's not that the spirit of fandom takes them over and causes us as, you know, it's not that I go to a game and all of a sudden I've painted my body and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs and yelling at grandmas and stuff. That's not what happens. It's not the spirit of fandom that takes me over. These people act weird because these people like acting weird. You hear me? And so what I want you to see here is that it's the same with the Holy Spirit. The stuff that you have seen that's weird, that bothers you, that you see about the Holy Spirit that you go, I don't know about that seems so weird. Those people that do that stuff do that because they like being weird. They like doing crazy stuff. And I'm not trying to be mean, but they, they allow themselves. They want to let their, their flesh take over, and they just want to do whatever they want to do. And, and so they act in these crazy ways and do this stuff. But that's not, that's not God making them do that. 
Because God doesn't make you do anything. You understand that, right? God never makes you do a thing. God always operates under your will. We have to submit our will to the will of God. That's how God works. Think about this. If God could make you do something, don't you think he'd want to do so- make you do something better than act like a weirdie? Like, what? what's the purpose of that? If he wanted to make you do anything, wouldn't he make you get saved? The Bible says that it's his will that all come to repentance. It's the will of God. That's why Jesus came. He wants everybody to be saved. That's his will. But he's not going to make anybody get saved. We have to choose to submit our will to the will of God and come under his will, come under his authority, submit to the cross and receive the gift of salvation. That's how it works. You know God wants you to be blessed. It's the will of God for you to be blessed. But just because God wants you to be blessed doesn't mean you're going to be blessed. You have to submit to the will of God when it comes to the blessing of God. You have to do things like tithe. You have to do things like be generous. You have to be a giver. When you do those things, you align with the will of God. You position yourself so that you can receive and function under the will of God. You guys follow what I'm saying this morning? Here's what I'm getting at. God doesn't make you do anything. And so you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit coming on you and making you do weird things. This is not how he works. And let me ask you this. Who do you think might want to make you afraid of the Holy Spirit? Who who do you think might want to play a role in helping you be afraid of the person that Jesus said, I'm going to send to you, and he's going to empower you, and he's going to lead you, and he's going to guide you into all truth, he's going to help you understand the the word of God? Who do you think might have an interest in making you afraid of that person that Jesus says is going to come and be your helper? Maybe, just maybe, the devil has used a lot of crazy, weirdo people to cause a lot of people to be afraid of a gift that he has sent to this world. In fact, I believe that's one of his great tactics in keeping people from the Holy Spirit, is making people believe that if I, if I let the Holy Spirit into my life, he could make me do, I, I, I don't know if I can trust him. He's going to make me do some weird stuff. He might make me do some, so I'll, you know, I know I need a little bit, so I just kind of let, let the foot in the door there. I kind of let him in just a little bit, but I don't know that I can fully trust him because he may, he may cause me to do some, some crazy stuff. He may, he may, you know, do stuff that's, Make me act like a maniac or whatever. So Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll let you in in a, in, a, in a little bit, but you better behave yourself. It's kind of the heart position we take up sometimes. Do you know how insulting that must be to God? Because the Holy Spirit is God. And I want you to know something this morning. The Holy Spirit is not a weirdo. He's not the crazy, weird uncle in the family of God. He's not going to do crazy things. He's not going to make you do anything. I know him. And he is sweet and he is loving, and he is peaceful, and he is a gentleman, and he wants to help you. And the devil doesn't want you to experience that. The enemy of your life wants to keep you from that, so he wants to make you afraid of that. You don't have to be. Can I get an amen? Amen. So the Holy Spirit is God. He's not weird. He only comes when he's invited, and he only moves when we allow him to move. And that's why we have to invite him in, and we have to allow him to work in our lives. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Number three... The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Over and over again in Scripture, anytime you see the Bible referring to the Holy Spirit, it never refers to him as an it. It always refers to him as a him or a he because the Holy Spirit is a person. And here's why that's important for you to understand. Because if you don't see him as a person, you're going to have a hard time having a personal relationship with him. Because people don't typically have personal relationships with its or things or forces or powers, right? We, and especially we don't talk 
to its and, and, and hymns and forces. You know, yesterday, it's been cold lately. So yesterday, I woke up and I started a fire in our house because it was kind of cold. And I sat down beside that fire. Now, the fire, you know, has some power. It has some force. It's a, it's a thing. When I sat down beside it, I enjoyed the warmth of it, but I, I didn't, like, talk to it. Fire, how's your day been going so far? I don't do that because it's not a person, right? Now, maybe your, your uh, concept of the Holy Spirit comes from things that you have seen, some images that maybe you've seen when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Like maybe you've seen the image of a dove. In fact, we used that image in our design for this series, the rest of the story, the little dove, because that's an image we see in Scripture or the image of fire. Now, the problem with these things is they don't speak to you know, him being a person, but he is. Now, these images um, are actually in, in Scripture. Let me, let me show you some of these. The first one of the dove, uh, there's the, there's when Jesus gets baptized, John the Baptist baptizes him. He comes up out of the water, and it says this in Luke 3.22. It says, the Holy Spirit descended on him. Now, look at this. This is the key word, like. Everybody say like. The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit, a dove, descended on him. It's not like the Holy Spirit came down like a parrot and perched on his shoulder and Jesus was like a pirate for a few moments there. That's not what happened. What it's referring to is how he descended. What, it, what it's saying is grace, gracefully, graciously, peacefully. This dove is a symbol of peace. That the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. Uh, when it refers to fire, when it's talking about the Holy Spirit, the, the, we see this in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost when the, when the disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts 2 verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like, everybody say like, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Again, notice it's, it's like. It's not saying that, it was, that the Holy Spirit is fire. It's saying he appeared in that moment like fire. It's kind of like this. Um, Josh Romano's here. Josh, would you stand up for just a second? Just kind of stand up, and then you can sit back down. Okay, Josh, I mean, Josh is a friend of mine, and uh, Josh likes to eat, right? Kristen, you, you deal with the grocery bill. I'm sure you know. Josh likes to eat. In fact, he has an Instagram of just food that he takes pictures of because he likes to eat. And so you could say about Josh, Josh Romano can eat like a bear. Now, that doesn't mean that Josh Romano is a physical bear, right? You're not a bear. No. But he can eat. What I'm saying is the guy can eat an incredible amount of food. It's ridiculous is what I'm saying in that statement. It's ridiculous how much this guy, in fact, we call him double entree. Because he goes, he goes to eat, and he, buy, he gets an entree with a side of entree. So you can call him now double entree. Yeah, you're welcome. But, uh, but here's what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm referring to how much this man can gorge when he eats food, is what I'm speaking to when I say that he is a bear. I'm just going to keep going with this, because it's fun. I just have the mic, and I can make fun of my friend in front of everybody. Now, here's what I'm trying to say here. When we talk about these things, we're not saying that the Holy Spirit is fire. Or he's fire. When you, maybe you go, okay, Joshua, what about John in the book of Revelations? He said that he saw the Holy Spirit in the throne room of God and he was fire. Well, yeah, and then John also goes on to say that he saw Jesus sitting beside God in Revelations and he said that he was a lamb. But that doesn't mean that when Jesus assumed his position at the right hand of God, he became a woolly sheep. It, it's talking about the nature that they see. Here, here's what I'm getting at with all this. The Holy Spirit is not a thing, a force, an animal. He is a person. And we need to see him as a person because if we don't see him as a person, we will not relate to him on a personal level because we don't relate to things and its and animals and stuff like we do another person. 
All right, so what makes up a person? Let's, let's talk about that for just a minute. Like, for example, uh, you're sitting in a chair this morning. What's the difference between your chair and a person? Which, by the way, the chairs in Noah's are padded. I just thought I'd mention that again. Very soon, you won't be sitting in metal folding chairs anymore. You'll be sitting in padded chairs. Anyways, I'll move on from that. But uh, what separates that chair from a person? Well, you can say, well, a chair doesn't have life. All right, well, what separates a cockroach from a person? Because a cockroach has life. A tree has life, but it's not a person. So what separates a person from, from, here's what it is. Kind of a regular definition of it would be a personality. A person has a personality. A biblical kind of theological uh, explanation would be a person has a soul. And if you study out what a soul is, it's, it's three things. A soul is mind, will, and emotions. That's what your soul is composed of. If you take a note, write that down. Your soul is your mind. You think with your mind. It's your will. You desire with our wills. And it's our emotions. We feel with our emotions. That's, that's what pretty much comprises a person to be a person. And what I want to show you in this third point is that the Holy Spirit has all of those things. I'll show you this in Scripture. The Holy Spirit functions with all three of those things in operation. Okay, so, so sub-point to point three, point one and point three is this. The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Look at this verse, John 16, verse 13. When he, the Spirit of truth, it's talking about the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Question for you. How can he guide you into all truth unless he knows all truth? And how can he do that if he doesn't have a mind? He has a mind. You know, we all know that God knows everything, right? God is, is omniscient. He knows it all. And the Holy Spirit is God. You know, God doesn't have an IQ. You can't measure his IQ. IQ means uh, intelligence quotient. And there's no quotient. Quotient is a, is a way of saying a measurement. You can't measure God's intelligence because he, he knows all. God has never had a moment where he was like, you know what? I just thought of something. It doesn't happen. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything. He doesn't have those kind of moments, so he knows everything. Now, here's why this is unbelievably awesome for me and you. Because that God who knows everything, and the Holy Spirit is God, comes to live inside of us and can be a part of our life. And the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, you can have someone living inside of you who knows everything about everything, and who has committed himself to be your teacher. You guys should be a lot more excited about that than you are. You have someone living inside of you that knows all the answers to everything in the Holy Spirit. You have someone inside of you who can guide you into all truth, into all wisdom in the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. His mind is, knows everything, and his mind works to help you to know what you need to know. The Holy Spirit has a mind, and his mind is committed to helping your mind to know what it needs to do and what it needs to know. That's, that's unbelievable. So the Holy Spirit has a mind. I'll show you another verse on that in just a moment. But jump to point two. The Holy Spirit has a will. A person has a mind, will, and emotions. The Holy Spirit has a will. Look at this. This is Acts 16, verse 6. Now, when they, when they had gone through Phrygia... In the region of Galatia, they were forbidden. If you have a physical Bible with you or something, you write down that word forbidden. That word forbidden means this. It means exercise your will. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So the Holy Spirit, what it tells us here is that he exercised his will that he didn't want them to go to Asia. 
Now, they would later go to Asia and preach, but at this time, the Holy Spirit was exercising his will and saying, I don't want you to go there. Now, how can he exercise a will if he doesn't have one? In order for you to exercise a will, you have to have a will. Like for me and Sarah, we have a will that our kids don't eat cookies before bed. So we exercise our will with our kids and tell them, do not eat those cookies before bed. Because if they do, we'll hear a lot of noises coming from their room of things breaking and beds being jumped on, and that's not good. So we exercise our will. We tell them that. The Holy Spirit exercised his will. And, and, and understand this. The Holy Spirit is God, right? Remember that? So if the Holy Spirit has a will, his will is the will of God. You know, one of the biggest questions I get as a pastor that I hear all the time is people wanting to know, I just want to know if this is God's will, if this is the will of God for my life, if this is really what God wants me to do, if this is the next step for I want to know that I'm walking in the will of God. We, we all want to know that we're in the will of God, right? Here's what's great about the Holy Spirit. He knows the will of God, and he lives inside of you, and he can speak to you and, and, and talk to you and help you to walk in the will of God for your life. Isn't this amazing? This is the person of the Holy Spirit that God has given us, our helper. So wouldn't it just be smart on our part to build a personal relationship with the person who can lead us in the will of God so we can walk in the fullness of the will of God for our life? That just makes sense to me. Um, there, there are two kinds of wills that we can understand about God. I'll just go over this real quick. There's the general will of God, and uh, there's the specific will of God. Now, the general will of God we find in the Word of God. Okay, the general will of God is like, how do I operate my business in a godly manner? How do I, how do I be the husband, a godly husband? How do I do that? How do I be a godly wife? How do I be a godly spouse? How do I be a godly father or mother? How do I do those things? How, how do I, how do I do, live this life that I'm called to live in, in a godly way? We can find a lot of that direction in the word of God. How, how do I know who to marry? the kind of person I need to marry. We can find a lot of general concepts of that within the Word of God. But you know what? You can't find some of the specifics to some of those things. For example, I have yet to find the verse in the Bible that says, Josh Blunt is to marry Sarah Newsom," Because it doesn't exist. So we get the general word of, will of God from the Word of God. We get the specific will of God from the voice of God. And God wants to come into your life, and he wants to speak to you, and he wants to direct you, and he wants to lead you into all truth. Remember, that's what Jesus said. He said he will guide you into all truth. He wants to help you to know all truth. He wants to guide you in the specific decisions that you're making and, and give you direction. That. And one of the ways he guides you in all truth, and this is amazing, is in how to pray. He wants you to know how to pray in line with the will of God. Because I want you to know something this morning. We don't know how to pray. We don't always know how to pray. In fact, look at this verse with me. This is Romans 8, verse 26. It says this. It says, likewise, the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, also helps us in our weakness. That we have a weakness, and he helps us in it. Here's what the weakness is. For we do not know what to pray. You guys see that? It says, we do not know what to pray. We, we don't always know what to pray. We don't always know how to pray. You ever been there before when you're getting ready to go to God in prayer and you're just like, I don't even know what to say. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to help you to know what to say. He wants to lead you in how to pray so that you can pray according to the will of God for your life. It says we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in this series. It's going to be really good. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Notice what it just said, the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit, Holy Spirit has a mind. That proves it right there. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to, look at this, the will of God. 
So the Holy Spirit wants to come into your life and he wants to help you. And one of the ways he wants to help you is to help you to pray in alignment and in agreement with the will of God. So you can know that when you're praying things that it agrees with God's will for your life, that it's in alignment with his will so you can walk in the will of God for your life. Isn't that awesome? So the Holy Spirit has a mind. He has a will. And number three, the Holy Spirit has emotions. He has emotions. A person has a mind, a will, and emotions. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Look at this with me. Ephesians 4 verse 30. It says, and do not grieve. Everybody say grieve. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It says here that we're not to, to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, now think about that. What is grief? Grief is an emotion, right? It's an emotion that we deal with. So what this verse tells us is that the Holy Spirit can, can experience an emotion, the emotion of grief. He, he, he can do that. The Holy Spirit has emotions. He has feelings. Now, I, I want to look at this passage a little bit, a little bit deeper here. Because if, if I'm reading a verse that says that I can grieve the Holy Spirit, the next question for me is, okay, what am I doing that could possibly be doing that, right? Don't we want to know what that is? Well, just so you know, just kind of if you're studying Bible, you're new to the Bible, a lot of times in Scripture you may read a verse and, and it says something like this. Well, the best way to understand it is to read the verse in context, to go back and look at the verse and look at what's in front of it and what's behind it. And this is a great example of this because in this verse it gives us this line, but before that line in a few verses and after that line it speaks to the things that actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Look at this with me, Ephesians 4. We're going to start, we're going to jump back five verses, verse 25. It says this, Therefore putting away lying. So lying grieves the Holy Spirit. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil, because that would grieve the Holy Spirit. Anger, uncontrolled anger, grieves the Holy Spirit. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. Stealing would grieve the Holy Spirit. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may... That he may have something to give him who has need. Not giving would grieve the Holy Spirit. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. A corrupt word saying things, allowing words to come out of your mouth that aren't in agreement with what the word of God says about you or for you. That grieves the Holy Spirit. Verse 30, the verse we just read, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31 kind of summarizes the stuff we just read. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice because those things grieve the Holy Spirit and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So let me sum it up for you, okay? What grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. When a believer continues to walk in sin, when someone who knows about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross continues to walk in sin. Listen, all sin grieves the Holy Spirit, but especially for believers. When we sin, we participate in sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And it's not because he's a prude. It's because he's God. And God is love. And if God loves you, he doesn't want you to sin because God knows what sin does. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. You know, if I saw my kids out playing on the highway, that would grieve me because I love my kids and I don't want to see them get hurt. That would bother me. And when you think about grief, um, what is grief really? Well, grief is, is, is an emotion that we experience when we have 
uh, intimacy with somebody and then that intimacy is broken is really what it boils down to. For example, if you have a person in your life that you love or a person in your family that you love and they die, we grieve over that because we've lost intimacy with them. If they're a believer, if they're a Christian, we know they're gonna, we're going to be with them again in heaven someday, but we grieve because the intimacy is broken right now. In the same way, what, what, it grieves the Holy Spirit because our intimacy get, with Him gets broken when we continue to participate in sins that we know are wrong and that are keeping us from that relationship that we're supposed to have with Him. It's not that we're not going to go to heaven. It's not that every time you sin, you're going to hell. It's not that the Holy Spirit's like, I'll never see them again. No, He, he knows. It's that the intimacy in that moment is broken. There's a separation that takes place. And it, it hurts His heart because He loves you and He wants to be connected with you. And far too often, here's what we do. Here's, here's kind of how we, we live with the Holy Spirit. Is he'll come to us and he'll, he'll speak to us about some things that we need to get right, some things that we need to change, maybe a sin that we're participating in. And he comes at us with conviction. Now, here's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Real simple. Condemnation is what the devil does. He comes to you and he tells you you've messed up and he causes you to look backwards. Condemnation always looks backwards. It says you're, you're a failure, you'll always be a failure, you'll never do anything right conviction the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, hey, you're not doing this right, but let's get this right because I want to move you forward. Conviction moves you forward. So he'll come to you with some conviction. He'll say, hey, I, you really need to stop this. You need to quit doing this because this is hurting you and I want to help you. And here's what we do. We say, no. We stiff arm the Holy Spirit. No, I don't want to hear that right now because I, I kind of like this. I know it's wrong. I know I shouldn't do it, but let's just be real. I, I kind of like this. I, I don't want to stop doing this. And so we stiff arm the Holy Spirit. But then here's what we do. We come back a little bit later and we go, hey, Holy Spirit, come here. I need some help with this. My, my business, I need direction. God, would you lead me? Would you speak to me about what I'm supposed to do with my business? Would you speak to me about what, what, what I should do with my life right now? We just stiff arm him when we don't want to hear him. But now we call him back in when we do. It's not a good relationship. And listen, it doesn't work that way. You know, at one point in my life, I've been very clear with this church from the beginning. At one point in my life, I struggled with sin. I daily was struggling with sin of lust, and it, and it had me trapped, and, and I, I could not overcome it. But here's the thing. Throughout that process, I would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit coming to me saying, Josh, let's get this fixed. Here's some steps you need to take, but here's what I would do. No, I don't want to do that. I'm afraid of that. I, I, no, Holy Spirit, no. But, but then I would come, and I'd say, hey, help me, help me, but I wouldn't do it his way, and so I couldn't get the help. And what's amazing is when I, when I surrendered and I changed my life, I surrendered my life to God. I, I tuned back into the Holy Spirit's voice. And I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. I would sit down to read the Bible, and it was like the words were popping off the page. I couldn't, I couldn't, get, I couldn't write things down fast enough. I, I'd ask the Lord a question, and I'd hear Him speaking to me. I'd, I'd feel the leading of His voice in my life because I was not stiff-arming Him anymore. And there's some of you in here today, and I, I really felt, you know, that God kind of took me in a different direction with this message this week, but I really felt like God was telling me to tell you, stop doing this and start doing this. Turn your hand over. Stop stiff-arming the Holy Spirit and start asking Him for help. And listen, here's how help comes. It comes when you humble yourself and you're willing to do things God's way and say, God, I need your help. I need your direction. I, I'm going to quit stiff-arming you. There's some of you in here right now and, and you felt the turn in the service and all of a sudden it feels like I'm talking just to you. I'm not talking to you. You know who's talking to you? The Holy Spirit's talking to you. And he's saying to you, hey, listen to what he's saying. 
You've been stiff-arming me. Stop stiff-arming me. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come down. So come on down if you're on part of our altar ministry team. And if you're here today and you have a need of prayer in your life, you have an area in your life, maybe, okay, let me say it like this. Maybe there's an area in your life where you're struggling with a sin. And you know it's a sin. And you know that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and he's saying, you need to stop that. You're struggling with that. We want to pray with you today. Maybe you're here today and and you're dealing with a sickness in your body. Maybe you're here today and and you've been stiff-arming this idea of surrendering your life to Jesus. And you don't know that you're, you're right with God today. Today's the day to turn your hand over, to quit stiff-arming the Holy Spirit and to allow Him to bring the help He wants to bring. I I believe this. I believe God told me this this week. There's some people in here that have some strongholds in your life, some areas where you've allowed the enemy to build a stronghold in your life and He wants to break that today. He wants to open it up for you to be able to walk in the freedom. That doesn't mean you'll never have a problem again. That doesn't mean you're never gonna face some stuff again, but the stronghold will be broken where you can move forward. But listen, it starts by turning your hand over. For some of you today, here's what God's saying. Quit stiff-arming me. And listen, if you, if you leave this church today and you know that you need prayer and you feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, but you leave here today and you don't come down for prayer, this is what you did. Turn your hand over. I'm being strong with this because I want you to get the help you need. Don't sit here and think, well, what are people gonna think? What's, what's the person beside me gonna think? Who cares? You need help? Get help. Amen? Let's just agree that none of us are going to think anything of anybody who comes down here. You don't know what people are coming down here for, and we're not going to judge people because that's not what we do as a church, okay? If you need help, come get help. I know what a difference the Holy Spirit, Jesus, can make in your life. So if that's you today, you have a need of prayer. In just a moment, we're going to go into another song. Also, if you're a part of our altar ministry team and you see these altars fill up, because I anticipate they're going to fill up, because I know God's speaking to some people today. Uh, If you see these fill up, would you please come down? Just be ready to come down and pray with some people today. So in a moment, we're going to go into a song. Dave is going to lead us in a song. We're all going to stand up. And in that moment, as soon as we stand up, I want you to just come down. Just come down, be bold, whatever you need. You need healing. You need forgiveness. You need to repent for something. You need whatever you need. I want you to come down. I want you to receive that today, all right? So would you stand? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw all people to the altars who need to hear from you today, who need a touch from you today. In Jesus' name. Don't be shy. Don't stiff arm the Holy Spirit. Turn your hand over this morning. Receive the healing. Receive the freedom. Receive the help that the Holy Spirit wants to give you today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.